Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Beth Capici, and today I have a really cool and special guest all the way from California, virtually. Um, this is Brienne Davis, and I met her through a women's podcasting network, and she has written a best-selling book that came out a little over a year ago called The Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. So welcome, Brienne. Thank you for Hi. being here. Hi, thank you for having. I know it's the longest title, but I just had to put it all in there. I was like, it's going to be this long. Enjoy. Well, I love it. It's very intriguing and it really gives you a great idea of what it's going to be about. So I love your title. Um, thank you. And I love that you also have a podcast and that you're trying to teach people through that. And it looks like from what I've seen on your podcast um, topics that you have a really cool variety. I saw you had one the other day about a woman who was married to a sociopath and committed suicide and Ooh, that oh was my God. That's one of my favorite episodes. It's called Secret Life Podcast. And my whole concept is tell me your secrets and I'll tell you mine. So mm. every episode, I reveal a secret about myself or even identifying with the same feelings my guests have. And yeah, the one Susan that just came on, she was married to a narcissist psychopath at that she then divorced and he committed suicide and she had to bury him. Ugh. So yeah, it is some crazy secrets. I mean, my first anonymous one, and most people are anonymous that come on and and mm -hmm. she told me she shot herself in the chest with a shotgun because she couldn't reach perfectionism. And she <sighs> walked me through after the bullet went through her chest and that whole process. And I just knew that secrets kill us. And her coming on and sharing it, tons of people outreached and was like, oh my God, I have suicidal tendencies. So I knew we had a hit when we did our first anonymous episode, but yeah, I'm really wow. proud of the show. That's amazing. So that was the one about the woman married to the sociopath or that was someone else? That was someone else. Susan, that just came out with hers. She wasn't anonymous, um, but that one was, her name's Kristen. It was, I think it's episode five. Oh, so we're on episode 91 now. Oh, that's yeah. great. I'll need to yeah. check out episode one because I do have a, an episode on suicide and how to understand it. And yeah. I want to do more because it, as you probably know, and have seen the, the numbers of suicides have gone way up since COVID started. 
Oh yeah. Because people are so disconnected and social media even makes it even more disconnecting. You would think it brought us together, but people are having trouble with intimacy and connection and especially young people. That's why I spoke out and wrote the book because when I got my 10 years of recovery and sex and love addiction, there were so many young adults, 19 year olds, 20 year olds in my meeting that were having trouble connecting their sexuality, their intimacy, the porn addiction, social media, wanting validation and likes. It's just, it's creating this void of disconnection all mm. around. They said it's an epidemic. It's going yes. to actually really affect this younger generation. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're all like, you know, you probably don't know a lot about my podcast, but it is a mental health podcast called Never mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And it, it, my goal in this sounds similar to yours is to connect people, to teach them, to learn from other stories and to know that you're not alone. Oh, and number one thing. And it's to be yeah. of service, right? We do the yeah. podcast, not for them, not for me or the guest, but for the listener that doesn't have a voice that can't, you know, get out of bed some mornings that struggles mm -hmm. even to do basic things like eat and shower. And that's where my husband and I, he's 33 years in AA and I have 12 years in sex and love addiction. And we wanted to be of service to other people. So we did the podcast to allow people to come on and share their deepest, darkest secrets, even funny secrets. Yeah. I have a lot of funny ones too, but to That's get us really closer good. together and that we aren't alone. We're all the same underneath. We all want love. Yes. We all want intimacy. We all want connection. Yes. And mm -hmm. I think we're all addicted to something. And sometimes it's people, sometimes it's sex. And, you know, I have so much compassion for how vulnerable our society and our young teenagers and adolescents are to sex and love addiction. Yeah. It's just right there at their fingertips. Oh, it's just breeding. It's really, I mean, when I started in my program 12 years ago, and that's uh -huh. what the book's about, uh -huh. I wrote Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, the first year of a woman, a, a woman about to turn 30 through her first year of recovery and how hard it is in the ups and downs and the roller coasters, but I wanted it to be very fun. So anyone can read it. It's mm. like written like a movie, like a television show, but it educates. I want to educate people. I want to show them that going back to toxic relationships, going, trying to find this perfect person to complete you, you know, flirting, intriguing, cheating, going from relationship to relationship, all these things are keeping you actually disconnected from yourself. Mm. So that's I, the whole thing for me is education. Yes. I read that on your website and I so loved it. It resonated with me. Just I've been telling a lot of my teenage clients and mm -hmm. also adults, like your most important relationship is with yourself. Yes. And if you love yourself, then, and you treat yourself well, then you're going to set yourself up for a lifetime of better choices in your dating partners. Completely. So that's rule. That's actually rule number 10. You got to love your, you live and die with yourself. So you better love yourself first. And when I wrote that uh -huh. and I put it out there, a lot of people got angry at me. They were like, that's so selfish. They were like going off on me on that. Uh -huh. And I said, no, it's not. You actually are born and you die with yourself. If you do not love yourself, you cannot love anybody else. I'm not yeah. saying you put all your needs first, but you have to have genuine love, not ego love, not outside love and validation, mm -hmm. but that inside love that no matter what's taken away from you on the outside, you will be okay on the inside. Exactly. 
it always reminds me of that oxygen mask analogy on the plane. Like, oh yeah, Uh give the other person at first, but that's not smart because if you collapse, you can't help anyone. And you got to be healthy and love yourself to, to really have healthy stuff to give instead of codependently giving or unhealthily. Yeah. Needy. And meshing, I see a lot, you know, that enmeshing that you feel like you have to lose yourself in your partner that you almost become one. And and I think our society, especially Hollywood amplifies that. Mm -hmm. But you did say something I want to hit on. Mm -hmm. I loved that you said everyone has, you know, an addiction. I say that. I say that a lot. Everyone has an ism. Everyone has something they turn to to not feel their feelings, whether it's being on Netflix, whether it's eating a cup cupcakes or gaming. I'm looking at right now, a friend of mine and a lot of young boys are addicted to gaming. Um, But yeah, alcohol, drugs, everyone has somewhere they go not to feel their feelings. And what I'm trying to do is like, your feelings are always there. They're meant to be felt Mm. and stop running from them because they're not going anywhere. They're just going to shove down, you know? Exactly. And yeah, the, the sooner people can realize healthy coping mechanisms instead of numbing mechanisms and, you know, surprising things that are healthy can be addictive, like being obsessed with nutrition to a, to a working out. Right. Yes. Or even toxic positivity. Oh, when people talk about toxic positivity, I'm like, no, you are allowed to have a bad day. Mm -hmm. You are allowed to wake up and be in a bad mood. There's something in you that needs to be in that place. Don't try to run from it. I like, yes, you go on a walk, you know, you meditate, you pray, you do these things, but don't run from the bad days. And I think that's what I was doing my entire life. But instead I was snorting, I was drinking people. I was snorting people. I was like, Mm. I don't want to feel anything other than euphoria. And if I felt anything else, I was terrified of it because it was Mm. overwhelming. And I, I just want people to stop trying to run from their feelings because it was killing me. It's killed my friends. I've had so many friends try to commit suicide, commit suicide, murder. I spoke at jails for two and a half years doing sex and love addicts meetings there. Every, yeah. Every woman in the jail was in there for sex and love addiction. Oh my goodness. Like she attempted murder. She, you know, sold drugs, prostituted herself. I can't even tell you the meetings were huge at the jail. Wow. Well, this was interesting as I was doing a little bit of research to prepare for our talk, I was reading about, you know, sex addiction versus love addiction. And maybe you could share kind of the, your favorite way to explain it. I had, you know, underlined some cool explanations because some people really just don't know what love addiction is. I think most people know basically what sex addiction is, but your, um, your, you know, drug and chemical dependence terms are great because they just show those parallels. And um, I love explaining it. I love making it so easy. No one can deny it. So this is how I explain it. I say, let's look at the sex side. So you use your sexuality as a currency. 
So mm-hmm. you can use your sexuality to manipulate and control other people. So that could be even in like a marriage. Mm-hmm. If you use your sexuality to manipulate and control your husband, that's a form of sex addiction. Mm. So you use sexuality to not feel feelings, to control, to manipulate. So that could be one night stands, swiping wow. left and right, masturbation, porn, um, having multiple partners at one time, all that. Mm-hmm is 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 encompassed in the sex side then you go to the love side it's flirting it's intriguing it's looking for your perfect partner going back to toxic relationships going from relationship to relationship to relationship looking for that soulmate to fix you all those things going to unavailable people. And I'm talking not just lovers, I'm talking friendships, family members, going to an unavailable person, trying to get them to love you. And then on the other side of sex and love addiction, it's sexual anorexia, Mm. where you shut down sexually, shut down emotionally and not connect to anyone because you're so terrified of getting hurt and abandoned. So all those, it's usually you have a combination of each factor Mm -hmm. and underneath it, it's fear of intimacy, fear of abandonment, fear of being loved, fear of low self-worth, low self-esteem. All of that sits underneath sex and love addiction. Mm. Wow. That's a great description. Yeah. It's, it's very clear and so helpful because it is complicated and so many people are blind to what they're doing. Um, I've had quite a few clients that consider themselves love avoidance and Mm -hmm. thinking of love avoidance as a form of sex of of love addiction is intriguing. Um, yeah, being addicted to the thrill of the chase or the beginning or the honeymoon phase. I like to oh, call it. my favorite. No, it's like the falling in love, the butterflies, the first touches, the first kisses, the first yes. everything. Yes. That's what I was addicted to. If I could fall in love every day of my life, that is like the best high in the world. Like it is. That. And the moment it would wear off and it would become real intimacy. Mm-hmm. I would set, f- shut down sexually because it became too intimate. Mm-hmm. And then I would go, oh, wait, this is not what the movies and television shows and books tell me what a relationship is. And so I would start looking for someone else before I would get out of the relationship. So I was constantly like looking for this person to give me that high feeling. Wow. You needed your fix. I did. It was, I tell you, falling in love is like, a snort of cocaine. I heard I've never done drugs. I've never done. I'm not a big drinker. This is my addiction. Yes. I found a summary by, I guess, probably a psychiatrist and I'm terrible with Greek names, but it looks like her (laughs) name is Alexandra Katihakis or. Oh, that's a great, that was good job. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I'm close. Um, This article is called sex addiction versus love addiction. Are they fundamentally different or the same? You're going to love this quote because it reminds me of your cocaine thing. It says that um, it talks about, of course, the cuddle hormone, which is oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And it says when a love addict ends a relationship, Um, And when a sex addict goes without sex or sexual acting out, they both may experience withdrawals like depression, uneasiness, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. this is the interesting thing. It says it's kind of like when a baby is held by his mother and you, you get that chemical reaction in your brain, the chemicals we get with falling in love are oxytocin, 
dopamine, mm-hmm. the pleasure mm-hmm. and neuro, um, you know, all those neurotransmitters, dopamine is really linked with pleasure, as you know, and then mm-hmm. endorphins and they flood the brain and the bloodstream. And then these chemicals send a pleasant sensation through the mother and child and trigger the reward center, reinforcing the ancient act of caregiving. Like yeah. when a drug addict injects a hit of heroin, this same reward center is tripped. And that we that's activated when we have sex, feel close to our lovers, or simply feel excited about the possibility of seeing them. Our system is flooded with oxytocin and it elevates our mood. And that is what people are addicted to. So they're not trying to do anything bad or wrong. They're just desperate for that feeling. And it can lead to, you know, unhealthy and possibly immoral or unfaithful behavior. Yeah, no, in my addiction, I was never purposely or some, you know, consciously going, I'm going to go hurt this person. (laughs) It was never about that. I mean, there was moments subconsciously, you know, I had a very emotionally enmeshed relationship with my father. It it was Mm. emotionally incestuous, which is I was his partner emotionally. Uh I, I gave him his support just, which is very unhealthy. So there was a part of me subconsciously that was like, I felt so powerless as a child and had no stability that I would go out in the world and hurt other people because I made me feel powerful. Wow. So there was that aspect, but it wasn't like I was purposely going to hurt people. I was just feeling so empty and complete that I felt I needed that false connection with someone else to give me my purpose. Mm. But I love that you, I, there was two moments that you just mentioned the withdrawal from sex and love addiction is absolutely brutal. I cannot Mm. tell you, I cried every day for nine months. I talk about it through chapter one, three, mm-hmm. how torturous withdrawal from sex and love addiction. There was this moment, this man came in one time when I got my six months chip and I write about this in the book. And he said, I can quit heroin, but I can't quit her. Wow. And that to me showed how intense like that withdrawal process is. And they say it's more brutal than chemical addiction. I mean, underneath usually any chemical addict is a sex and love addict or an Al-Anon they mm. say AA is the last house on the block, but slaw that sex and love addicts anonymous mm-hmm. is the shack in the back. Like no one wants to come to because <laughs> you're dealing with issues usually attached to your family members. Cause mm-hmm. the first thing as a baby, you it's a relationships mm-hmm. relationships are your first thing. So it's very, very complex and complicated and you can even come from healthy backgrounds. There's a, some sponsees I've had that have family members that are still together, parents that, but they just took the addiction in a different way than their parents. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's a very complex and everybody's bottom lines are different. Everybody's, you know, behaviors are different. So it's very hard to define. And that's why I think not many people have recovery in, in the program. So not many people stick with it. No, I think 5%, maybe 10% are wow. still in the program when I started 12 years ago. Oh it's it's a revolving door. It's I, I can't tell you how many sponsees I've had. I think hundreds and hundreds because it's just so brutal to go through. Uh-huh. And then the problem is, so you take away, like, here's an example. And I talk about this in chapter five, six, seven. Uh-huh. 
you know, going through the character defects, doing my bottom line. So for me, it's like, I had to take away relationships with guy friends. I realized I used my guy friends to film me, to give me my worst. So I had to get rid of all my guy friends. I didn't talk, text or email any men whatsoever. So what that would look like is I would go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and not even look the waiter in the eye because I was always giving off that flirtatious energy, even when I didn't want to. Wow. And I remember this moment and I write about this in the book as I pulled into an In-N-Out burger mm-hmm. and there was this 15 year old kid working the drive through and he looked at me and he goes, oh, he like got like, he found me attractive. And I kid you not, it was like heroin shot up my body. I felt this rush because I hadn't felt it in six months. This rush of like, like a tingly high feeling. And it, it was that moment I was like, oh my God, I'm a lifer. Like if this 15 year old pimply kid can get me high just because he (laughs) like finds me attractive. Like this is the problem I'm going to have the rest of my life. Wow. It was like a hit. And oh my God, I couldn't tell you. It was like a rush down my body. Wow. And that's what's so hard about the addictions that you can't go cold turkey on certain things. I mean, you tried to go cold turkey on, on the male, the, the men, but yeah, you know, when you, I remember with, you know, recovery from food issues or eating disorders is you can't stop eating. You can yep. stop drinking, you can stop drugs, but you can't stop relationships and yep. you can't, you know, you really shouldn't go without love and sex for the rest of your life. But how do you find a way to just do that in moderation and in a healthy way. And that is so much harder, so much harder. And I think that's why people struggle with this one. You know, they then get into a new relationship thinking that's going to be the thing that fixes them is their old relationship. And it's you. So you really have to look at yourself. I say, you have to walk through the fire and let it burn. So what you do is you take away every relationship in your life that causes drama. I'm talking family members. I went a year and a half without talking to my dad because he wouldn't Mm. respect my boundaries. I went a year without having sex Mm. and I had a boyfriend, so a live-in boyfriend. So it's like hard. (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. And then you take away like, he couldn't comfort me when I was crying. I had to go through these things by myself. So you take, you know, all the bad friendships, you take all that away. And then you start looking at where you contributed to this bad relationship. Why are you picking this person? What character defects are coming up? What, what resentments do you have? And where did you add to them? Who have you wronged? So you do all that work. And then after that work, you then start bringing back in the sex the relationships, Mm -hmm. cleaning up the house, like, and it's so much work. I can't even tell you because you have to have very strong boundaries. Mm. You have to keep your word. You have to show up as a whole person and you get triggered. Mm -hmm. Like we all have things that trigger us. So even I'm married today. We've been Mm -hmm. together 17 years. I'm married and he still triggers the shit out of me sometimes. And I have to be like, okay, you're triggered. It reminds me of this. I'm going to go call my sponsor. I'm going to do some writing. I'm going to pray about this. And then we have to communicate in a healthy way Mm. out of, you know, fight or flight. Wow. That's amazing. And see, I just appreciate that vulnerability and honesty that you're modeling for people is, you know, life is just hard. I mean, marriage is hard and I'm a psychologist and my marriage has always been hard. It's funny. I'm almost going on 18 years. So I guess we must've gotten married close to the same time. Yeah. um, 
you know, people walk around hiding their secrets, at, you know, which you're so passionate about being vulnerable that way. And they act like things are perfect. It's so discouraging for people. And yeah. they think, oh, so are you a perfect, perfect person and you have a perfect marriage? I must be a failure or I must be in the wrong marriage. It's like life is always hard. So every relationship is always going to be hard. It is. And that's what I'm going to get graphic for. I had a man recently speak at a meeting because I speak all over at recovery houses and stuff. And he said mm-hmm. that you find any like the most attractive person in the world and someone is sick of fucking with them and being with them. Yeah. <laughs> like It doesn't matter. You keep thinking if you find this like perfect person that you're not going to have any problems. And that's mm-hmm. how I really got through my sobriety. I This is what I would do. I would if I saw someone I was attracted to, I would run through the relationship really quickly in my head being like, yes, we would get like the first date and the first kiss and the first that and then, and then we'd have to pay the bills and then we'd have to take out the dog poop and then we'd have to have a conversation about money. And like, I knew I was sober enough to know that if I did not deal with this now, I was going to be doing this the rest of my life until I'm like, on my deathbed. And I just couldn't do it anymore. That's amazing foresight. And you just wonder how many people never figure that out. And they go through their life being so lonely because they're just chasing the next high and having a series of one year relationships or two month relationships, or you can tell me what the average timeframes are, but they, they end up so lonely and they don't have a life story with anyone and they don't build roots with people and yeah. feel fully seen. Like this person knows all my habits in and out uh, over five years or 20 years or whatever. Yeah, no. And that relationships take work. Intimacy mm-hmm. takes work. It's not like the movies where it's the same as it was at the beginning. So it's like, I'm still learning to this day after 12 years, how to keep intimacy with my husband. Cause a part mm-hmm. of me it's overwhelming at times and I want to shut down. So it's mm-hmm. like that anorexia side underneath every sex and love addicts is a sexual love anorexic. So mm-hmm. you, once you get sober in this program a long time, it's worked to keep that intimacy with your partner. And you think, wait, is something broken or wrong? And it's like, no, every time you reconnect on that intimacy, it's a deeper level of intimacy. And that's what terrified me. And no one ever explained that to me. Cause that was never modeled in any relationship I saw, mm-hmm. you know, I came from a background where my mom and dad hated each other, never slept in the same bed, never held mm-hmm. hands, never said, I love you. So it wasn't modeled, but then in society, it wasn't modeled either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm had it, I had to teach myself. I had to do all that inner child work and teach myself again. That's amazing. Yeah. So many people end up with trust issues or pessimism about marriage because they're like, that just did not look like a fun relationship. (laughs) Well, I also think people get married too quick. I think we, we rush intimacy and that's what I'm working with my clients. Now I work with a lot of like, like a list, um, people that can't walk into the meeting. So I work with them and I, Mm -hmm. we talk about like, what that looks like, what an actual real relationship looks like and not forcing intimacy, false intimacy. And a lot of people, especially with the dating apps, the texting, 
mm-hmm. you know, long distance, they create this false intimacy when they're really with the person, they don't know the person. Mm. So that's yeah. a whole thing I'm working on right now is having dating plans for people because I've had to take so many people through dating plans. How to, how do you date healthily? Yeah. <laughs> no one yeah. teaches that. That's right. Ooh, I'd love for you to check out my healthy dating podcast and see what you think about that. Oh my God, I totally will. <laughs> I have all these fun things. I'll tell you my favorite because this this to me just speaks volumes. I say that we should view, come to view ourselves as I am a whole cake. I'm not part of it. Like the you complete me thing with Jerry Maguire. Like Ugh, I hate me. that. Yeah. <laughs> I like, hate it. Every time somebody says that, or he's my soulmate, I want to go. Yes. You're, you're yes. your soulmate person. You are right. You're like, that sets you up for failure. And it's so unhealthy and codependent. But, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, I'm like the eggs and the flour and you're the sugar and the, in the, um, flour or whatever. I'm forgetting which baking soda. I can't make a cake without you because I only have half the ingredients instead to say, I have this wonderful pound cake by myself and it does not need anything. It is full. I love it. But if you find someone wonderful, they're the glaze. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my therapist told me too, Dr. Kath, who I talk a lot about in the book is, Mm -hmm. you know, I did eight years of intense therapy twice a week was like, took nine years to do my 12 steps. And mm. she used to tell me it's like sex and love is just like the frosting. It's not mm. everything. It, there's no substance. You can't build on just sex and love. There has mm. to be a foundation and, and the cake is what you bring that foundation. So she talked a lot about that with me. That's so good. Um, one client example that I'm sure will strike a chord with you. I had this client I worked with, you know, over 10 years ago, she was, I want to say 35, 36. And she mm-hmm. said, if I'm not married by the time I'm 40, I'm going to jump off a bridge. Oh my God. That's so sad. Send her my way. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully now she's into her forties and she's actually realizing how much she really just enjoys her life and that a partner would be icing on the cake for her, but she doesn't need it because her life is actually pretty darn good. And, you know, that's what I like to say. You you should be 80% healthy before you date. A hundred percent. I completely agree. If you have not done that work or that trauma work, you will, you will keep getting in worse situation. It's because it's a progressive disease when you don't fill yourself with your self-worth and doing the therapy, the inner work, then you're going to be grasping for air that does, does nothing and it gets worse and worse. Amen. Well, I know you don't have a lot more time. I guess I I have like 20 things I'd love to ask you, but maybe one (laughs) would be, um, what advice would you give these young people? Like, and and I would love to get you back and ask your opinion on this too, because I just printed out an article about like what compulsive masturbation, like I don't want people to feel shame about their natural sexual instincts. And in these young kids, I have three basic lead teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I want them to approach their sexuality and dating in a healthy way where there's not shame about it, but it should yeah. not be addictive and, you know, a, a big source of numbing pain and ignoring feelings, like you said. So yeah. what would be any advice you would have? And it can be for any age, but I'm thinking about these kids that are growing up now and teenagers and adolescents. What would you say to them? 
You know, I never want to shame. I have a son and I never want to shame him about masturbation. I just always masturbated when a feeling would happen to escape my reality. When my parents were fighting, it was a self-soothing mechanism. So I always ask people because a lot of my clients are my sponsees. We talk about masturbation really openly. And it's like, Mm -hmm. before you masturbate, think to yourself, is it I want to have pleasure with myself right now? Or am I escaping a feeling? Mm. Am I bored? A huge one is people are bored, especially <laughs> as a young kid. Well, young teenagers right now, especially are getting overstimulated. Uh-huh. So they get bored very quickly yes. because they have visuals coming at them left and right. The swiping, the constantly, you know, the video games. So mm-hmm. when it's just normal, they don't know how to sit and be. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I say, if you're bored, sit with yourself for 10 minutes and say, will this feeling pass? Am I just trying to get stimulated or am I actually wanting to enjoy my body and express myself, Mm. which I think is advanced. But when you say it like that, a teenager can sit there and go, why am I bored? Oh, it's because I feel like nothing's going on in my life and I feel like a loser and incomplete and alone. Yes. And then maybe allow that feeling to come up before you try to stimulate yourself out of the feeling. Mm. But yeah, I don't want anyone to shame themselves. I don't want any woman, woman, especially to be scared of her sexuality. But I also see women, especially are using their sexuality as currency to get their Mm -hmm. self-worth. And that's not women empowerment to me. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you said that because (laughs) it breaks my heart when a a young girl thinks, oh, that someone took me out to dinner. I need to kiss them at least. Or if I don't have sex by this day, third or fifth day, it's like heartbreaking. Like you're a prize and that is not currency. You don't owe them anything. You are a delight to be with. You don't have to perform to be worthy of someone's time. Yeah. And I'm living proof. If you keep performing, you will be, I mean, Dr. Cass said it perfectly in my first chapter and please Mm -hmm. go read the book. It's entertaining, but if she talks about, she told me two things. She said, wow, you have a secret and I don't know what it is, but you wear the mask of a high-class prostitute. Mm. And she said, I had a mask on top of a mask on top of a mask that I was always playing this, these roles. And as a working actress, she said, you picked the worst career for your addiction. <laughs> but yeah, then she said, yeah, well, I got it. You're a sex and love addict because you cannot just be in yourself. You're always having to put on these masks. So young girls out there shouldn't be putting on this mask of their sexuality because it is not empowering. And you will get later in life and feel so depleted. And you will look back and go, why did I do those things? Why with, why was I with that person? Why did I kiss that boy? Why did I go that far? I can't even tell you how many times I didn't want to do something sexually. And I did it because I felt like I had to. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Oh, I think they're, my guess is 75%, if not 90% of these young girls and even, you know, 20 somethings, they feel that it's not enough. Like they have to do something to earn that approval. And that's why it's so dangerous to date when you're not loving yourself or you're not 80% healthy, because if you don't realize how great you are, and that's a key word there is it's realize it like you, you know, it's not if you are, it's 
discover your greatness and your value. And when you learn to like yourself, even if it's not who you maybe wish you were, but start to go, you know what, I'm discovering how much I have to offer the world. And I really like myself and I'm unique. And I know there's going to be people out there that want exactly what I have to offer. And I have a lot of confidence in that. I don't have to make myself more worthy by performing sexually or using, you know, romantic stuff as a currency. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I wrote this specific reason. Chapter seven, my number one character defect is compare and despair. Mm. So stop looking at other people and comparing yourself to them. Because I tell you, I work with the people that have millions of dollars, have everything you've ever wanted Mm -hmm. and thought you would need to make you happy. And they are feeling just as shitty. (laughs) They are feeling just as incomplete as someone that doesn't have anything. So it doesn't matter. Do not compare yourself to anybody else. And that's what I did. I spent my whole life comparing myself to other females and like being in competition with them instead of just focusing on myself. Mm. So that's why I dedicated a whole chapter to it. Chapter seven, compare and despair, know your worth. Oh, I can't wait to check it out. Know your worth. That's so amazing. Well, so many of your thoughts and your big motivations for doing what you do are just so um, simpatico with mine. And I love love how you're using all that to help people and make them healthier, but in a compassionate way. Like, I just love your point. It's not exactly if you drink or if you're doing something sexual or masturbating, it's why are you doing it? Yeah. Are you escaping pain or avoiding feelings or is it, is it in moderation and for healthy reasons? So that is so helpful. And um, anything else you're itching to say before we run on to our next <laughs> meetings today? Yeah, no, thank you for letting me come on. Thank you for, you know, sharing about sex and love addiction. I'm really, my whole point is I never wanted to speak out about this. I was never going to, but when I saw so many young people in pain, it was like God or my higher power was like, Mm -hmm. you need to give back and be of service more. So I wrote the book for other people. I do the podcast for other people. It's not for me, Mm. but it's probably the best thing I've ever done to be of service to other people. And like because I was just so sick of the narrative that yeah. sex addicts or love at this men getting caught cheating on their wives going to yeah. sex rehab and it's like it's so much bigger than that and you are not alone so if you have trouble in relationships if you have drama in your life in relationships this might be something you should look at so please mm-hmm. look me up on Instagram at the Brianne Davis I answer all my DMs mm-hmm. you know the books on Amazon or you can go to secretlifenovel.com Um, or listen to my podcast, Secret Life, or go online and look at the 40 self-diagnosed questionnaire of SLAW. Type in 40 self-diagnosed questionnaire, S-L-A-A, and it will come up. Wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And it's been wonderful to have you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 